Greetings, fellow light beings, and welcome to the Sacred Portal Podcast. I am your host, Abby Rose Wolf. Together, we will explore and journey through self care practices and personal stories to ignite inspiration and passion within. Thank you for listening, and if you enjoy, please leave a rating and review and hit the subscribe button. Also, share with family and friends on social media. Thank you. In this episode, I interview Brianna Brown once again. She has returned to talk about the power of language and the way that it shapes our world. This was a very fun and playful conversation. We get a little rambly, but it is very, very useful and informative. I hope you enjoy it. Also, if you want to check out our earlier episode where she talks about shadow work and masculine and feminine and other things, that is the second episode. Brianna is a soul body alchemist. She guides folks through shadow and inner work to cultivate inner harmony. Here we grow. Welcome back, Brianna Brown. It's good to see you. Thank you so much for coming back to the Sacred Portal. My pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, so I invited Brianna back on the show because we both share a passion of language and the power of language and how it shapes our reality. And this is something that Brie is especially educated and knowledgeable about. And so I would love, Brianna, for you to just have a brief overview about the power of language. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, it's so funny because my quote unquote career is in speech language pathology. So I have my master's in speech language pathology. So I have studied language through and through. However, it's mostly in like the rehabilitation of language and the, or the building of language for young folks. So folks who survive a stroke might have to rehabilitate. And then some children are just born with language deficits or delays or disorders that we have to help them establish. So my initial lens of language was really through helping folks figure out how to use it in a way that's functional, just functional, you know. And then as I started leaning more into my purpose and into the kind of spiritual and growth-oriented trauma, recovery, all of that jazz, I realized that language is so much more than just something that we use to function. It's actually something that we can use as a tool to shape how our mind works and everything like that. Also, when I was doing my studies, I studied psychology and I learned about the concept of neuroplasticity. And so neuroplasticity is the theory or the idea that our minds are plastic. I think I may have mentioned this in the last podcast, that we can actually rewire our minds through intention and through repetition and consistency of how we choose to think. And a lot of that has to do with how we speak to ourselves or about ourselves or to others. And so through neuroplasticity, we can change the way our brain is working and we can do so through intentional language use, self-talk and things like that. So moving from the therapeutic speech and language realm to now using this language as a tool for self-talk and growth and expansion and healing, there's such an interesting gap that's been bridged between the two, you know? Mm, Definitely. Now I'm wondering with the clients you have now, Do you see a common 
speech or way that they talk to themselves that are holding them back from reaching their highest potential? And how do you help them rewrite that? Or yeah, is there is there something that is comes up that's very common and they're like, why is this happening in my life? And then it's like, well, what is your language? This is a beautiful question. So currently I'm running my mentorship program and the clients in there, each and every single one of them, I'm working with them on language use and self-talk. And so absolutely, yes, I see both the clients in my mentorship program and then also clients that I see for one-to-one sessions, a lot of kind of like self-defeating language and self-sabotaging language of like, I can't do this. This is too hard. This always happens to me. I'm not enough. You know, this is just the way that it is. Very defeated behavioral language. And what I've noticed is that it all starts with mindfulness. So you can't change a behavior without noticing it. You know, you can't change a behavior if you don't realize it's happening. So my job, I come in and I kind of catch them in the moment and I kind of playfully say, oh, you can't do that. Or it's just not a priority right now. Or, oh, that that's really hard. This is like something that's really hard. First of all, that's a very valid. Things are very hard. And like, what's your plan of action? Like, how is that impacting you in a way that's motivating you? You know? So I kind of bring attention to the way that they talk to themselves every single time it's received so well and they're like oh right 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 so what I've noticed is in the last four weeks of this program that I've cultivating in a harmony that we're doing together the women in there right now it's all women but it is open to men too but the women in there are like okay so first of all I noticed that I have been telling myself that I can't do this or the idea of being unrealistic daydreamy versus having big dreams and knowing when and how to talk to oneself to inspire oneself to follow through on their dreams versus daydreaming about something that's so far out of reach and so unattainable that it just becomes chaos and stressful instead. And so I have been getting these messages of women who are like, oh my God, yeah, I've been shooting too far into the future and not looking at like action steps that I can take between now and then, because I'm just like, I want to do that or nothing else. And it's this like black and white self-talk. So these women are reaching out and just telling me how they can feel the shifts happening for themselves now that they're starting to use more intentional language. They're catching themselves when they start to use this self-defeated language and then rewriting that story in their mind. I was on a client call this weekend and my client started getting really emotional when I was channeling for her and she started crying and she was like, oh, it's so stupid. I'm sorry. And I just looked at her and she looked at me and she's like, it's not stupid. I'm sorry. I know it's not stupid. (laughs) And it's that it's the way that we talk to ourselves where we even shame ourselves for having an emotional experience or expressing in front of somebody, you know, and It comes from society's constructs of like, oh, you shouldn't feel this way. And if you do this, you're weak or stupid or whatever it is when really it's everything you feel is valid. And so learning how to talk to yourself with grace and acceptance and encouragement is huge. Absolutely huge. Well, I really like what you said about when you had that client who was looking ahead and it had to be this one thing, black or white, how narrow our path is just on that language alone. Whereas when you come back to the present moment and you kind of look out at what you have in front of you, which is really unlimited possibilities, you can then choose a lot of different paths and just be okay with whatever you take because it's it's moving you forward in some way. But now your spectrum 
is broad. And I think that's so important. It, you know, that that's, I think, why people get stuck is like, you're right. And you think about the future, you think about the future, it causes anxiety, you think about the past, it causes depression. But when you're really present and you're focused on, okay, what can I do in this moment to move me forward? Mm-hmm your whole world opens up. It's it's really important. And uh, language is so multifaceted though. Like that's just one aspect of it. And then when people say sorry too, it's like, you don't have to be sorry. You don't have to be sorry for hardly anything. You know what I mean? Like there's very few things to be sorry for in this life. And I hear women say it all the time. Don't be sorry. You don't be sorry if you're being emotional. That's like a really natural reaction that's happening right now. And that's okay. It's totally okay. And it's beautiful that you're expressing authentically and you're releasing. And, you know, we are living in a patriarchal society that is telling us that it's not okay and that we should be sorry just for honestly, sometimes it feels like just for existing and especially existing authentically. And as soon as we start to step into our power and step into our authentic expression, we suddenly are like, oh God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so what I like to do with my clients and also with myself, which is something that was huge for me, was change sorry to thank you. So instead of saying, I'm so sorry, say thank you for holding this space for me. Thank you for witnessing me. Thank you for being patient that I, you know, that I was 10 minutes late or whatever, instead of owning it. Because what I've found is that when you're sorry, it brings this negative energy between both, like you feel bad, then the other person feels bad. And then there's just this kind of entanglement of yuckiness. Whereas if you come into it and you just say, thank you, they're grateful that you're grateful. And then you can just move past it, you know, and it's, there are times when being sorry is totally understandable. You know, like if you step on someone's foot, (laughs) you might say, oh, sorry. But just for something like emotional expression or something simple, like being two minutes late, you know, it's, there's just such another, there's such a more fruitful way to embrace that with language use. For sure. So I have a question. When your clients are rewriting these stories, do they ever have trouble with believing in the new story because for so long that they've lived in this story of I can't do this and then how can they prove to themselves that they can do this or believe it like how do they transform that language from I can't to I can by just truly believing it having that proof maybe or permission or how do the clients kind of transition to that love this oh your questions are so beautiful I really just love your brain. I think you should know that. I really love your brain. (laughs) (laughs) I love yours too. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. That is a very good question. I am a very firm believer in choosing language that feels resonant. So if you deeply believe that you cannot wake up at 6am, then that is okay. And maybe you really like can't in that moment. And you don't have to say it that way. You can say, this isn't a priority right now. If it's something that's not a priority, then you focus on something that is and you forgive yourself. You do it with grace, you know? If you deeply believe that you cannot overcome a trauma, then you choose language that feels resonant, such as I'm moving in the direction of overcoming this. I'm working towards overcoming this. So I don't like when folks are like, just say it like it's already happened because it doesn't feel very fair, you know, and it doesn't feel very supportive of aligned action because if you're like, I'm healed from my trauma, (laughs) wait, I'm fucking not. (laughs) Why does that feel misaligned in my body? Oh, because I'm still doing the work. And so I deeply believe in choosing language that's resonant with your truth for where you are or like one to two steps next in your journey versus the end result. So 
there's definitely some tension and friction at first when clients first start changing because change is always uncomfortable and the ego gets loud, of course. So there's always this, you know, I'm trying to tell myself that I, you know, this isn't a priority right now. For example, I really like that shift from can't to, you know, it's not a priority. And so I have a lot of clients who are like, I'm trying to tell myself that, but I get caught in these defeated repetitive thought patterns. And so it's all about navigating with grace and not beating yourself up. If you found that three times today, you said, I can't, or I have to, or I need to, or I should. It's not about like beating yourself up. It's about just catching it and working towards that with gentleness and ease and self-compassion. Yeah. Which is not always easy. (laughs) And at the beginning, it gets easier. Well, and everything you're saying, it's all a practice. Like you're practicing new language, you're practicing self-compassion. And for me, that was a big one, the compassion part. I have stages where I move in and out of it. And then a lot of my girlfriends bring me back. It's like, you need to just accept where you're at and just be okay with that and be okay with, you know, that compassion thing. Actually, this is kind of a good thing. I want to talk about this because we mentioned it before the podcast and I think a lot of people feel this way every once in a while, but rest. I mean, this isn't doesn't have to do completely with uh, language in a way it does, but just lately. So Bree and I, before the podcast, we were talking about how lately we've been really tired and just like allowing ourselves extra rest and kind of surprised about it. But the other day, I am like, I'm not. I'm not depressed or anything. I just need more rest. I'm tired. And I laid in and I slept longer and I felt amazing when I finally got up. I was like, I'm really glad I did that actually. And I'm not going to feel guilty about laying in bed too long. Whereas the rest of society and other people I know definitely judge themselves for laying in bed like, oh, I'm being lazy. And it's like, no, I'm listening to my body. I'm listening to what my energy needs right now, you know, and I've finally have overcome that. And I'm like, okay with it. And I actually feel really good about it. It's like, you know what? I rest and I needed it. And that's great. Yeah. And that totally is language. Really. It's like, it's internal language, inner dialogue, which is a product of language, you know, rather than waking up and being like, fuck, I slept in again. Oh my God. I'm so lazy. Now I'm behind. You're not choosing to use that dialogue, which is language. You're choosing to honor yourself, to be grateful for your inner knowing, to be grateful for your inner support. And you're like, hell yeah, I rested and I feel good. And you're choosing to use that language, that self-supportive language. And then you get to move on with your day. And just imagine if you, if you use that different dialogue, you know, your whole day would be thrown off. I know that that's a big one for me is rest. I'm constantly having to check myself to make sure that I'm resting because I'm such a busy body. And I always can tell that I'm not resting enough throughout my day when I start to sleep for 10 hours at night (laughs) because I, my body's trying to play catch up. And so I have to talk to myself differently, or maybe I should fix that language. So I choose to talk to myself differently. I don't have to. (laughs) And then I, I, throughout my day, I'm, I notice that I get tired and I'm like, I'm feeling tired. And instead of being like, fuck, I'm tired and I have so much to do. I'll be like, okay, I'm tired. I acknowledge this feeling and I'm resting, you know, 10 minutes away from my computer, 10 minutes of just sitting in my chair and looking at my cute apartment and loving on it. Yeah. Rest is so vital. And like you said, most folks get really like guilt ridden if they rest quote unquote too much. Mm. And it's just, yeah, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate that people aren't really shown the beauty of self-compassion and shown the beauty of honoring oneself and honoring one's needs. Well, I think through the stories that you're saying, and I'm saying, we are showing that this is okay. (laughs) Yeah, 
We give you permission. It's okay. You um, have permission to rest. You do. Sleep 10 hours if you have to. <laughs> exactly. Please do. I really love what you just said there. I choose. That's so empowering. That's so empowering. That language is a very empowering language. And it's interesting. There's a lot of things instead of I have to, I get to, that's like making it more excited, excitable. You know, it's like, oh, I get to do this. Like it's, it, it changes the whole energy around what you're going to do next. You know what I mean? And so I think that's really important. I actually was re recently reading this book. It's called Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. It's actually really good. It's all about the psychology behind poor people and rich people. It's fascinating. But anyways, mm -hmm. people say, I want to be rich, but then how many people are actually rich? But that's not a very convincing language but then there's like i choose to be rich and that's yeah. even a little bit more because then a decision is made in that process but then they go on to say i commit to being rich and Ooh. that's like whoa okay now you got to make a plan <laughs> how are you going to get there what steps are you going to take now that you're committed and so it's just like the power of language i mean even in those three scenarios i can feel that whole kind of story play out in each single one so it's really interesting it's very important that's so beautiful like even just the power behind you saying that in each statement was like as soon as you got to i commit i was like oh damn and it, and then just you know the body doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality for the most part i mean if you're stepping in ice water and you say i'm hot obviously the body's going to have a physiological reaction to the cold and not think that it's hot but when there's not physical evidence to prove otherwise, the body doesn't know the difference between the imagination and the reality. So if you say, I commit to being rich versus I want, when you're saying I want, that's like, it doesn't really ignite your, your solar plexus fire. It's like, I want that. It's more like a longing, like an, uh, I want it. And then I choose to be rich. It's kind of a little more empowering, but then that like, I commit to the brain and the body is like, okay, we're doing something. There's like a different neurochemical process, a different neural response where we're like, okay, this is a commitment because the body has been conditioned to know what it means to respond to a commitment. And so, yes, the power of language is so real. I love that hierarchy of statement. That's beautiful. I'm actually, I'm going to use, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that with my clients because seeing the shifts that they're already making, I'm like, oh man, I love that. I'm kind of curious about this book now. <laughs> it's amazing. This book is blowing, literally blowing my mind. I'm like constantly taking notes. It's so good. I highly recommend it. Okay. Anyways, because it's all, it's a lot of it's about language and about psychology mostly. And I cannot disagree with anything he says. He's spot on about all of it. Really. I'm fascinated. I love psychology. I love what you said too, about the, I get to versus I have to. When I first heard, I don't remember where I first heard that, but I first heard somebody, I think it was on a retreat in Sedona, actually, this woman, a woman that I learned about through Aubrey Marcus, which we both have an affinity for. So I learned about this woman through him and it was there. And she was talking about this, this similar like self-talk and the power of it. And she said that like, I have to, and taking that and turning it into, I get to. And for whatever reason, I was just like, I don't like it. <laughs> and I'm sure it was my ego's resistance, but even still, like sometimes I wake up in the morning, I write out a list and it's my get to do list, but sometimes I'm like, oh, it feels cheesy. And so I'm constantly crafting a way that doesn't feel cheesy so that it doesn't trigger my ego to be resistant to it because I want this to just be like 
something that I feel really aligned to going back to that, making your statements be in resonance with your truth. So sometimes I'll just write action items, or I've even used solar plexus activities or sticking to my will by, (laughs) and I find different ways because what, for some reason, when I say I get to do my laundry at the laundromat today, I don't really feel that excited about it, you know, and I feel like I'm not honoring my truth. (laughs) But then there's also the, the notion of adding a caveat to the end of that, of I get to do my dishes because I want a clean home. I get to go to the laundromat because I honor my clean clothing. So there is also like, maybe if I expanded upon the why it's a get to do versus a have to do, I would feel more resonant with it. But I do think it's important to have a phrase or something that makes you feel that, yeah, that truth behind it. (laughs) I love that. Actually, I resonate with what you're saying 100% because I used to feel the same way about the get to. And if I'm gung-ho about it, I'll say I get to. But if I'm not, then you're right. It's not in resonance. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm lying to myself and it feels cheesy. And so, yeah, I've I've had to like craft different ways of doing that and it's worked. And sometimes I'm like, well, I really do have to do these things and it doesn't feel bad. You know, like it's something I have to do. I have to do my laundry because I don't want to wear dirty clothes. And so as long as I can let myself, because, okay, this is something I wanted to say too. Language isn't just expressive. It's also receptive. So how you receive language is also an aspect of our language center in our mind. So even if it's language that you're using for yourself, if you can develop a nice receptive language relationship with it, then that can be helpful too. So having like an understanding that there are things that we do have to do sometimes in order to get to where we want to go. So sometimes we have to have the the job that isn't exactly the job that we want, but that's like a stepping stone to get us there. Sometimes that's something we just quote unquote have to do versus something we really want to do. And, you know, it is something we get to do, especially when it's a job because it provides an income that can get us to the next step. But learning that it's okay to have to do things sometimes, but also that you're working towards your alignment and towards your true will versus your predestined will or your intellectual will of society's expectations can be helpful in navigating the quote unquote have to do's. So receiving it differently with like a source of inspiration or a source of confirmation of I'm on the right path and things like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, give me an example. Okay. So for example, I have to brush my teeth every day because if not, (laughs) they're going to rot and I don't want that. And so knowing that like, okay, I have to brush my teeth. I can develop a different relationship with my toothbrushing routine out of like gratitude and honoring my body. So when I say, oh shit, I have to brush my teeth instead of being like, I have to brush my teeth. It's like I'm receiving the, the message differently because I know I'm doing it to support myself. And oh man, it's Sunday. I have to do my laundry today. Instead of being like groggy about it, knowing that I'm doing it to keep clean clothes in my house and to, so I can wear clean clothes. (laughs) Does that make sense? So I'm like receiving the message in a way that's supportive versus like, as soon as some people hear, like I have to, and it can be really off-putting. So like allowing yourself to hear that from yourself in a way that's amplifying, if you will. Mm, Yes. 
I like that. So this is really interesting. Now I'm thinking about just the power of belief in general. So for mm. example, if we're using language that's like, this isn't a priority for me at the time. So, okay, I'll just give you a personal example. Um, this happened to me this year. I was invited to go to Colorado to go snowboarding and the tickets are very expensive. And, and um, I mean, I guess it's not very expensive. It's worth it for sure. But anyways, I had not been working at the time. I wasn't making an income and I had some savings. And so I was like, you know, this isn't a financial priority for me in the moment. But then I challenged myself and then I'm like, wait a minute. Is that true though? Is that really what I believe? I'm like, am I just saying that because I know that's a better way of saying that in my heart, I'm like, oh no, I just don't have the money to spend on this right now. That's like what I want to say, but I'm saying this instead. But even that's not in resonance because actually I do want to go and I have the money to go. And what's really holding me back is like, well, I need this money for something else later on that's going to be worth it more. But I'm like, no, maybe this is actually a priority because I'm actually afraid to go. I haven't gone snowboarding in 10 years and I'm actually afraid of getting hurt and the injuries that could cost a lot of money. Tons of things came up all because of this one thing. And I was like, no, it is a financial priority because I have to actually get rid of all these other limiting beliefs that I have, these fears that are holding me back. And so I had to sit and actually think about what I just was rewriting to make it sound more truthful. But in the long run, the belief wasn't even actually there, even though I wanted it to be there. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. No, I mean, you were, so what you just did earlier, I had mentioned like intellectual will versus true will, right? And intellectual will is like our willpower that's defined based on societal standards and what we think we should do. And you can always tell that you're working from your intellectual will versus your true will based on if you're full of shoulds, like, well, I should be saving money in case this happens. I should be doing this. Again, back to the language. When you start to notice the shoulds come in, odds are you may be working from a space that's not in resonance with your true will. Your true will was like, I need to overcome this fear. I need some adventure in my life. This is something I want to do. So the, the fact that you sat with that and you explored your inner world is gorgeous. And that that is how we can choose our language shifts that support us uniquely. And a lot of people, they'll just adopt whatever they are told to use, you know, like the taking the have to and turning it into get to or whatever. But going inward and like getting in touch with your own energy and your own resonance and your own needs and your own values and your own drive, that's when you're going to find the language that works for you, that supports you, that supports like you, you, not like what society says you should be again with the shoulds. <laughs> so that's gorgeous. That's perfect. And the belief is like, yeah, that's why it's so important to have statements and phrases and words and language verbiage that resonates with you. Because if you're going against your belief, you're going against your essence. What's it matter if you're using this language or that language, if you're still going against the grain? Right. I'm really glad that you mentioned the shoulds too. <laughs> that's all oh, the shoulds. That's a, oh, the shit. And they're sneaky. Well, and we were talking about this before. Language can be really sneaky. Sometimes I'll be in a weird mood. I'm like, what am I saying to myself? Why am I in this mood? You know, I'm like, there's something I'm saying to myself that isn't getting me into a state of joy that I am frequently in. So what's going on? And so I'll have to sit and I will meditate. 
I get to meditate and explore that. Now I feel like really hyper-conscious on my language. <laughs> right. And, and that's how it is. And that's how it starts until, until it chills out. Like for those listening, it starts out with this like hyper-vigilance, but then it chills out and you just, you figure it out. And, and it's not like it's perfection. Like you said earlier about something else that we were talking about before the show, like it's a practice, you know, it's a practice. It's not a, it's not something that's perfect. So I'm curious, what's an example of something that you maybe say to yourself that can have you feeling, if you're comfortable sharing? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I can think of anything right now. I've been really working more towards that lately. Yeah. So let me think if there's anything in the past or I do know awareness is huge. You know, sometimes if it can be really challenging to catch the language and then reword it. And there's something that we both learned from Ashley is that when you do catch language that isn't serving to immediately re-say it, say it out loud, be like, actually, this is, this is what I meant to say. And you say it out loud and then you just keep on doing it until you just completely change your language. So you're no longer even saying that language anymore at all. And so it's just totally transformed. I guess one of them for me, maybe saying, I don't know. Ooh. Yes. Yep. Mm. So this is actually something I learned from being a speech therapist for so many years. A lot of parents would, or colleagues or whatever would ask me a question that I wouldn't have the answer to. So I would say, you know, I don't know, but I can find out. And so even like with ourselves, depending on the context, of course, I don't know. And I can find out. I, I also like to change but to and because it feels so much less restrictive and so much more expansive. So I try not to say but very often because I like my language to be expansive. So I don't know. And I'm going to find out like that's not something that I'm aware of. However, when it's about my own emotional state, if someone's like, what do you want? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, wait, no, I do. I just haven't taken time to tune in, you know? Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. that's, that's totally it. And that's what I'll notice too. I'm like, if I, if I, cause I catch myself saying, I don't know. I'm like, but is that really true? I'm like, it's in there. It's all in there. <laughs> there. It's there. And like, how much are we actually listening? And, and, you know, it's funny because I'm actually, I'm in this point of my life right now where in a few months I'm facing a crossroad and I don't know legitimately this is one of those times where like I don't really have a lot of language variants to, to choose from because I really don't know what I'm going to do at that time if I'm going to be staying where I am which I would prefer not to but might have to due to family things or if I'm going to go elsewhere and then I'm like oh gosh I could the world is my oyster I could go anywhere and then I get that what so coming back to the client situation where you know it's like being really super daydreamy and really super far ahead in the future I'm trying really hard to just stay present and let myself really enjoy where I am and continue to trust that the dots connect and rather than but and I can feel myself getting kind of like, oh, July is really soon. I am going to be faced with a crossroads that I will have to make a decision at soon. And, and so that's one of those interesting times too, where it's like, how am I going to talk to myself through this? How am I going to be gentle and kind and graceful and compassionate with myself while I can feel those inner wheels really trying to turn and really trying to stress me out and some days are better than others. Some days I'm, I need to figure it out now. And then other days I'm like, wait, no, I don't, I don't need to do that right now. I can just be here. So it's interesting. It's interesting how it varies. 
I 100% have been going through the same thing you are <laughs> with, with the crossroads. But just recently, I've been getting really strong clarity. I really strongly think it's patience because you're right. It is further ahead of than you think it is. And there's so much more clarity and there's so many more synchronicities. There's so many more things that can come into your life to guide you to the right path or the path of your highest self. That's a big one when you have all, okay, a friend of mine used to call this opportunity abundance. Er. Yeah, he's like, well, I don't know if that's what he called it. He called it something along those lines. But yeah, we'll call it opportunity abundance. But it's like it causes a little bit of turmoil within where it's like we have so much abundance and it's always coming to us. And then it's like, okay, now I have all these things. I want to say yes to almost all of them, but really that's not realistic in the moment. I have to choose one first and then maybe do these other things. We all want it all. I think mm -hmm. we can have it all, but like sometimes one thing can only be chosen first and which one is gonna be chosen first. It can be overwhelming for sure to have all this abundance, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it's so, it's like such a beautiful problem to have and I feel kind of shitty that I'm like, oh no, <laughs> what am I gonna do? But it's, it's also, I'm not a planner and I've never been faced with a situation quite like this where I had like a deadline where I was somewhere that I had to figure out my next move by this point. Every time I've made a big move, it's just been kind of handed to me. Oh, this is what you're doing next. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to this place I've never been. And now I'm in a really unique position where I, my lease is ending and I'm living in a state that I no longer want to live in. I moved here with the, with the notion that it would be temporary and yeah, I've never been in a position where I could just choose like every other big move that I've made was because of graduate school or an unexpected job opportunity or what have you. It's never been like I get to just choose. And now I'm feeling like, is this what it feels like to be a Libra? Because I cannot <laughs> imagine like living like this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I just see all of these beautiful opportunities. But of course, I'm feeling really pulled to Asheville, which is where you are right now in this very moment. I'm feeling really pulled to Asheville or Colorado. And I just don't know. And so, so then I find myself being like, okay, Brie, what can you tell yourself today? How are we going to navigate this? Because the thoughts will come up. I'm a problem solver and I'm very curious. So I always want to like get to the bottom of it. I've never been faced with this very situation before. So I'm like, I need to figure it out. So, and even that language, I need to figure it out. How like restrictive is that, you know? Oh, it's like very, yeah, aggressive and like makes me feel very like, against the wall, really. Like you need, someone has their, their hand on the collar of my shirt and they're like, figure it out right now, you know? And, and I don't have to, I need to just let go and I can trust. And like you said, I mean, the last three months of my life, have been insanely synchronistic, insanely transformative. And so just trusting that like the next three months are going to be just as much so, four months, I guess, with just as much guidance. And so <sighs> choosing surrender, choosing surrender. <laughs> all day, all the time. That's a big one. That's a big one. When I'm really in surrender, I feel so good. But let me tell you something that Louise Hay says that could help in this situation. So. I am willing to release the need to know where to go in July. Mm, I love that. Willing to release the need. Say somebody's self-sabotaging or somebody is not trusting themselves. I'm willing to release this need to not trust myself. I'm willing to release this need of self-sabotage. 
Cause that is actually really true. Cause you know, you want to get rid of it. And if you're willing to release that, then what is said, what shall be done. And mm -hmm. I also want to note too, that I see that you're already doing a little bit of the problem solving in this situation. You already have planned to come in experience Asheville to see how it resonates with your body, how to see if this is where you want to live. This is feeling like home to you. And then you can do the same for Colorado as well, you know, and, and I know you're doing that already. So it's just, it really is patience. It's surrender. It's trust. Mm -hmm. It is. It's it. all those things. It's all those things. And you, I know that you can do it. You yeah. know? Thank you for reflecting that back to me. Oh, and there's something that you said to me and I love this. You're like, is it a full body fuck? Yes. <laughs> I love that. Well, there's something I've heard before. If it's, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Yes. I, and oh, because for so long, and I resonate with what you're saying again, where it was just like easy, you know, it's like, oh, of course I'm going to do this. And it's like, flow. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going everywhere. I'm meeting all these people from one job to the next. Everything's word of mouth. And it's just like, flow but then mm -hmm. when i have to choose it's like oh shoot now what do i do now yeah, I why isn't anyone telling me what to do like exactly <laughs> that's so much easier <laughs> yeah and my full body fuck yes would be like going over to europe and that's just like a really hard thing to do right now considering everything and so yeah it's so funny that's such a good point and you know it's so it's interesting when you start to get really mindful of the way that you talk to yourself and and when you talk the way that you talk with others and the way that you talk about yourself it's so interesting to see the evolution and to witness your own fluctuation it's so fascinating because some days i'm totally not worried about it and i'm dancing with my day and i'm like it's groovy i'm fine like i'm gonna be where i need to be the people that i need to know are going to come into my life i'm going to know and i've been telling myself that since i moved back here to michigan and then all of a sudden I'll wake up with a, with a weird day, probably a day where I'm like beating myself up for sleeping in <laughs> and I shift the way that my mind works. Cause it really does. Like you set the tone for yourself in the morning. And then all of a sudden I'm like, shit, shit, what am I going to do in July? It's almost March. Blah, 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 blah. And I go into the mode. Generally speaking, I feel pretty surrendered to the, to the universe and just knowing that things are going to be okay. and grateful for the opportunity to be in a position where I can choose, you know, but it's funny. I've never, I've never visited a place before I moved to it ever. Every move I've made was blind. Like I'm just going. And so this whole idea of going and visiting first, you're right. You know, that's, that's also self-talk. That's a result of like the language that I use of like being more curious and wanting to have more solidity in my decisions. And so I actually, I said something earlier that I wanted to touch on regarding language and it was, it makes me feel Blah, 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 blah. I don't remember exactly what it was that I said, but I was like, yeah, it just makes me feel a certain way. And that's a huge language shift that I've been working on for a while now, probably about six months now, because nothing really makes me feel anything. I choose my feelings like they can, they can evoke feelings, you know, things can trigger a response and I choose how to react to it. But I'm, I'm trying to be really intentional about how I use language around my emotions and my feelings, because I don't want to give the onus away. I want to be responsible for my feelings. So that can be really helpful too in relationships when you're talking to your partner and saying, instead of saying, you make me feel blah, 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 saying when this happens, I feel blah, 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 and taking them totally out of it and using that marker of language when this happens, I feel versus 
them having responsibility over your emotions, which of course immediately turns into them being reactive and defensive and deflective and projecting and whatever else can happen as a defense mechanism. And so it's wild. That's a wild shift when you start to take full responsibility of your own feelings. Mm, That is a really big one. That's one I hear probably more than anything is just, you make me feel this way. That is so true. And it's almost like you're giving your power away. You're giving your power away. It's like- You 100% are to people who don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and what you're touching on too is a little bit of NVC, nonviolent communication, Mm -hmm. where what you're saying that's so important is just, it it doesn't really sound natural when you do the whole thing, but what you said sounded a little bit more natural is just like saying, when this happens, I feel this way. And then it's getting to the needs. The needs is a tough one. In NBC, they talk about the needs, like because of the way you're reacting to a situation, it's because there's a need that isn't being met. And to identify that need and to state it, then you and your partner can work on getting getting you those needs. Yeah. And meeting them. That's, I love NVC so much, so much deep appreciation for that um, entire platform and that entire practice. Yeah. When you, when you can say like, when this happens, I feel this or when, or I feel this if I don't receive blah, blah, blah. So for me, physical touch is like mm, a huge need. <laughs> and if I don't get like squeezed on and loved on, I sometimes feel unloved. You know, it's like if, if I'm not squeezed at night, even if it's just before bed, if the person doesn't like to cuddle all night, then I feel kind of like uninteresting or unloved or unspecial. So, so yeah, stating like what it is that you need or what it is that's happening without involving the other person. Cause for a while I was like, so how do I say that without being like, well, when you do this, I feel this. And then I'm like, oh, just when this happens, when someone yells at me, even if they're not meaning to yell, I, my inner child is triggered and I'm scared and I don't have the ability to communicate anymore, you know? So yeah, it's interesting. It's a, it's a huge, it's a huge paradigm shift. I've been using that, you know, I've been like dating and I've been using really intentional, ooh la la, really intentional language around my, my new dates. When I'm going on a new date, I'm really intentional about the way I say things. And holy cannoli, it's like, it's received so well. Men are really, I think, inspired by just the clarity of my needs and how I state them and my non-negotiables. And I just put it right out there and without ever putting them in the equation, you know? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Wait a second. So let's pretend that we're going on a date. Okay. We're going out to dinner. I'm the new guy. Hey, Brie. What what do you say? Do you state it right away? So wait, how does this how does this like you imagine? <laughs> you know, so I had an online dating platform and I stated in my bio, I deleted it because it's overwhelming and I just can't. It's an energy suck. But I had in my bio bonus points if you're familiar with your shadow and have done the inner work. So what happens is people see that and they're like, what's shadow work? And I'm like, ba-boom, opening. And then <laughs> and then I dive in and I just, well, I mean, I don't just like dive right in. I, I feel out the conversation. If they seem like someone who I want to meet, then I say something like, just a heads up, if you're not really sure what you're looking for, this probably isn't going to work. If you feel like relationships or connection with other people robs you of your independence, this probably isn't going to work because that's a sign of avoidant behavior. (laughs) And I kind of like just say the things that are non-negotiables. 
but not always. It just, it depends. The guy that I've been talking to, he just opened up really, really candidly that he's been in therapy and past life Brie, past Brie would have been like, oh my God, why? And I would have been going into this like anxious pattern of tell me more. I want to know everything. But rather I was just like, oh, that's wonderful. I'm really happy for you. And I left open space for him to share as much as he wanted without digging. And he did. He shared really openly. And then I shared my own experience with therapy and then it became reciprocal. And that's really like what I'm looking for is opening up with open communication, with receptive communication and candid dialogue about where I'm at and what I want, you know? So certainly not like, hey, my name's Brie. I'm really ready to meet my ideal partner who loves to talk about feelings, but not too much. And who likes to have, you know, I, I don't like go all in, but I do make it clear that like, I'm not there to fuck around and I'm not there to be fucked around with. And it's been beautiful. Mm, that's good. You go in there with, you know what you want in a relationship. You know what your intentions are. They're strong. That is awesome. That is so important. Yeah. Language. Language. Because it'd be so easy to just be like snippy or rude. So, you know, I'm trying to think of a way to not express that that might not be so fruitful, but I can't even think of one right now. But then again, maybe you don't need to. You see, like when you're just being your authentic self, it's like the right person's going to, they're going to respond and they're not going to take it offensively. You know what I mean? And so I really think that- That's true. I I noticed that even with NVC, uh, because sometimes I'm not always perfect about it. Like I'll have to think about it a lot. Okay, I'm going to engage in this conflict. I'm going to do the NVC, but it it might come out as a little bit of blame sometimes, but they don't take it. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Like I realized I made a mistake in this language, but I'm still kind of learning it. I didn't really mean to to blame or say because you did this. You know what I mean? Like you said, when this happens, that's so, that's a big difference. And it depends on the person. Like some people just don't take offense, you know, and it's really easy to talk to them no matter how you need to talk to them. But then there's some people who are very sensitive to that. It's like, oh, you're going to blame me. It's like, it's not my fault, you know, kind of thing. So yeah. Wow. That stuff. It's so important. It's so important. And it's definitely knowing your communication partner's communication style. It is important and it's not always perfect. It's not always perfect, especially when emotions are high. If your emotions are high, it's really hard to be like, and when this happens, I feel this way. You might find yourself, if you're really pissed off, being like, I'm pissed at you because this happened, you know? Like, And that's because we're human. So it's also like self-talk is, and language use is really important in like the forgiving process of oneself because we can't be perfect all the time. And so I was just talking to a client about this this morning, like talking to yourself about the imperfections of a practice and letting it be so. If you craft a schedule for yourself because you want to be more diligent and more efficient, then that's great. And make sure that when you have that schedule crafted, you leave space for forgiveness of yourself for times when you just don't want to do the thing. You know, if your schedule says like Saturdays from two to four, you're doing content creation. And on Saturday at two o'clock, you're like, I really want a hot bath, leaving room to be like, I'm trusting my intuition and I'm trusting that what I need right now is a hot bath and go for it. So ah, language. This is huge. What you just said is huge. There's so many people that are like, I have to do this schedule. It has to be this way. If I don't, then I'm not the, I'm not a good person. I'm not going to achieve my goals. And that's, I do not resonate with that at all. You know, and I just see people burn out when they do that. You know, it's like, where is exactly the room for the bath, for the massage, for 
the walk in the woods or the five minute meditation, you know, whatever, but a cup, it, of tea. a cup of tea, just something where it's good to take your mind off of something for a little bit and come back to it. I think we're going to be effective by doing that as well. Yeah. So it's force versus intuition, really. Ego. It's ego versus intuition. Don't you think it's just like, I have to do this because I have to meet this goal and I have to be this way and da, 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 da. and how restrictive and how pushy and forceful does that language feel? Like, well, I have to meet this deadline. I'm aiming for, I'm aiming for this deadline. And when I meet that deadline, I'll feel this way, you know? And if I happen to not, how am I going to forgive myself? How am I going to be compassionate with myself? Because I'm a fucking human. I'm not a machine. And we live in this society of like our worth is measured in our outcome. And it's bullshit. It's like the people that I respect and admire the most are the people that honor their energy. You know, Ashley, our, men, our shared mentor, she posted today, just today on her Instagram about how she's delaying the start of a course because she needs to honor her energy. And I was like, fuck Yes. I would never want to sign up for a course with somebody who was like dishonoring their energetic flow just to get shit done because then they're not showing up authentically for me in that container. And so, you know, to me, it's so much more admirable when one honors their, their true self and their true needs versus like forcing things for some societal construct that's complete bullshit. <laughs> At the end of the day, when we're, you know, on our deathbed, we're going to be so much more grateful for the grace that we gave ourselves than the force that we pushed ourselves into. Oh, I love that so much. I love that so much. And I feel like it's a very masculine thing. Mm. I find that I see men do this more. So the whole, um, there's a quote, success loves speed. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. That just feels so gross. <laughs> Oh, geez. there was something. Oh, there's something I heard the other day. What's more important, success or significance? This was hmm. this was on the, the recent Ari Marcus podcast. Gosh, it's so good. And he talks about that. He's like, you can be successful, but you might not be significant. But when mm -hmm. you are significant, success are, automatically comes. Amen. I thought that was a really beautiful thing. It really stood out to me. And uh, that, the thing about that is coming back to the language piece. It's like, what do we mean by success? Because that's the other thing about language is people have their own interpretations of all these words. For me, success means feeling good. If I'm feeling like in alignment and I'm feeling connected, you know, to spirit, to my community, to myself, to the elements, to my space, I am successful. If I, at the end of the day, got everything on my to-do list done, get to-do list on my get to-do list done, <laughs> and I'm exhausted and I want to cry, that is not a successful day for me. <laughs> you know, so that's such an interesting thing too, because I mean, clearly he's using the, like the general patriarchal societal term of success, but I view success as like, how do you feel? If you feel good, not like ego proud, but like truly good, that is the most successful thing, I think. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I mean, I know when I have a successful day, I'm feeling great. You know what I mean? I'm feeling playful, creative, connected. For me, in success is probably meaning. Like, am I living a life full of meaning? Am I helping other people? Is this being, am I being meaningful? Because I think for a long time in my life, I lived very joyfully and blissfully, like following my bliss. 
And I loved it. I was happy all the time, you know, really, truly my baseline was like, oh, I'm great. You know, I'm feeling really good. Mm -hmm. But then there came a point. It's like, you know what? But now it's time for me to have more meaning in my life. And mm. so I'm stepping into this phase. This podcast is is really helpful because I think that there's a lot of meaning in this. And going back to love languages, you said that touch is a big one for you. For me, it's words of affirmation. It's huge. It's my number one. And so when people leave, shout out, when people leave me a review, you are speaking to my heart. <laughs> I can see that. Like, it's like acknowledging and also that contribution that you're making, bringing that meaning into your day-to-day life is significance. And so this, your success is your significance. Feeling significant is success to you. And so it's funny. And obviously I love Aubrey Marcus. And so <laughs> Aubrey, if you're listening, no shade, <laughs> but I do on the podcast. <laughs> can we do all three? But um, I just don't see those two as mutually exclusive. In fact, I see them as pretty synonymous. So it's, it's just so interesting to me because it's like, it's just so funny how we interpret language. It's that receptive language again, you know, how are we receiving it? And I receive those as the same word versus dichotomous versus um, antonyms. And so I love that. I I feel very similarly that I was kind of floating through life with uh, blinders on of like, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? But I wasn't thinking of really how I was contributing. And then one day I was like, I am not raising the vibration of the planet. Yeah, I'm helping kids with speech therapy. I'm helping adults with speech, whatever. But it wasn't my soul's alignment. It wasn't in alignment to my true gifts. And it just dawned on me that like I was living in that intellectual will, not my true will. Mm, I love those, that, that difference there. I love that you've found a way to come from having your baseline of happy and having that bliss to finding this different baseline of finding meaning and significance in the work that you do. And, and I imagine you probably run into a few more rifts than when you were just following your bliss, but that's good because that's what initiates growth and expansion and deep dives and all that jazz. Totally. I love challenges because that's where the change happens. That's where the growth Mm -hmm. happens is in the challenges. And I love it. Yeah. I love that so much. And I find that I'm stepping more and more into my power and be like, I actually have a lot of things I can share that I will share when I feel like the time is right. And I have the energy to put towards that. Mm Mm-hmm as life goes, it's just a constant unfolding of the journey. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is. And we just take one step at a time, just like this move that I have to make or that I might be making in a few months, this move that I get to choose in a few months, one day at a time. And I'm excited to see the things that you'll be sharing as the path unfolds before you. I feel like the more I get to know you, the more I'm just like, this woman is my soul family. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Brie, likewise. I can't wait to see you in the flesh and give you a hug in oh, real in real time. In real, real time. In real time. Well, what do you think? We should wrap it up? I have one more I'd like to say. Okay. And this kind of comes back to the resonance of your own truth and your own language. So I struggled with anxiety for years and years and years and years. 
and years, <laughs> a long time. And I got to a point where I stopped referring to it as my anxiety because I felt like I was owning it. And like, it was this like part of me that I was carrying like a weight, you know, my anxiety, it's my anxiety versus this anxiety is something kind of separate from me. So I shifted from my anxiety to, oh yeah, when I experience anxiety or when I have an anxious moment versus like it's mine. And so when I was working with a client of mine, she has borderline personality disorder. And I was like, she says my BPD. And I was like, oh, so this is how, you know, I just shared with her what I shared with you. This is how I kind of shifted my own lingo around anxiety. And she was like, she sat with it for a couple of days and we came back together to kind of follow up. And she's like, you know, I was thinking about it. And I do feel like it's mine because I've, it's such a, stigmatized diagnosis that I want to own it because I want to advocate for others who have BPD that they can live lives that are still expansive. And she's like, it is mine because I've worked so hard to live with it versus negate it or deny it. And I was like, Ooh, damn, that's gorgeous. And so now when I hear her say like my BPD, it's like from this place of empowerment versus this place of victim mentality, you know? So that was an interesting one that dealing with diagnoses and things like that. I see. I feel like that's really like a strong identity. And when I think of identities, it's like, but we're so much more than so much more that we say we are. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's almost kind of limiting. I mean, it can't, it's sure it's our truth, you know, go ahead. But for me, say I didn't eat meat, which I do, but I mean, say I didn't, I wouldn't even call myself a vegan. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want to even limit myself to, or put myself in a box and this is who I am. Now I'm like labeling my own self when I know that I am God manifested in human form made to perfection. Like, hello, you know what I mean? <laughs> we're all these lights that are just like beaming. We're bright. We're so much more than we can ever imagine that we are. And we're all so interconnected. It's like, how can we just say we're this one thing? No, no, no. We're so much more than that. And it's okay to say that you're one thing, but it's like, but also recognize that you're also the light. Mm -hmm. Also recognize that you also are love, you know? And so yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 you know, and I, I, that's a, I'm really glad you said that about the my thing too. That's huge. You know, people say that a lot, like my pain, that's a big one. Like yeah. really solidifying the pain in the body where, I mean, in Buddhist teachings that, you know, pain is arising and it passes away. It all arises and it passes away. Just about everything is impermanent. Mm -hmm. And so, and I love that you say that this is coming to visit me. I'm experiencing anxiety right now. Mm -hmm. But it's only in this moment and it's only an experience. And we know that experiences come and go. We know that feelings come and go. We know that emotions come and go. We know this, you know, but it's interesting. Language can be really tricky and especially people who struggle with depression. Like sometimes people write this story where it's like it becomes so a part of who they are that it's really tough to get out of it because their language is so wrapped up in the restricted world. Yes. Could you talk a little bit about this actually? Yeah. You know, actually that's a really good point. So the thing with this particular client is that it's a personality disorder. So it really actually does permeate into her identity. Personality disorders are really complex. And so the beautiful thing is that typically folks with BPD, and that's another language thing too, is like person first language, people with not borderline personality disorder people, but people with their people first, and then they have this diagnosis, right? So people with BPD oftentimes really don't want to own 
their diagnosis. They don't want to accept their diagnosis. So where she's at in her journey right now is like not just accepting her diagnosis, but like making it hers and crafting it so that it supports her. And so that she's, she's not letting it run her anymore because she's like the driver and this is like a passenger, you know what I mean? So, cause I said the same thing. I was like, yeah, but like, if you let that be your identity, it can be really limiting. And she's like, yeah, but this is kind of, you know, the fact that I'm stepping out of letting it run my life is the fact that like, it is mine. I own it. And so I really liked the way that she put it, you know, she's like, I own it. It doesn't own me basically. And so I really honored that. And I think it's different for different diagnoses because with depression, woof, that's a whole nother can of worms. And the problem is that it's really perpetual, it's self-perpetuating when we get into this pattern of self-defeating self-talk of feeling you already feel self-loathing you already feel heavy you already feel incapable so of course those are the thoughts that come through it's so hard to get out of that cycle it's so cyclical and I've read and I really liked this that the antidote to depression is action and so sometimes action has to precede the language because if we are just laying in bed all day and we don't just actually finally move, although I guess it would take, it would even take a little self-talk to get to the moment of moving, wouldn't it? Being like, it's time to move. But that action is what kind of can pull you out of that cycle. Like, okay, I am brushing my teeth today. I am doing my dishes today. Even if it's just two dishes, I'm, I'm doing something. When you're not in the depths of the depression, having specific statements, specific mantras that you can use when you, when the cycle returns, having them ready and accessible and knowing what they are. I am doing this today. It's time to get up. Even writing down action as the antidote to depression can have such a benefit, just having it available to you. Sorry for the train, if you can hear that. (laughs) But having that available to you so that you can access it when you're in the depths and remember the place that you were when you wrote that. Because oftentimes when we have something that we craft from a space of levity and clarity and we can access it from the place of like the depths of the struggle we can also access the emotions that were associated with that that moment writing yourself a little note of encouragement when you're feeling when you're not feeling the depths of depression so self yeah self-talk is really important for that and so is so is mental health help like seeking help is so beneficial for folks who really struggle with depression reaching out to a mental health professional a mental health advocate other folks who have depression knowing that you're worthy of it that self-worth component is huge for people who struggle with depression yeah, it's, it's a, it's a harder one. That's a much harder one to just like snap out of with some nice mantras, you know, it takes so much more. Mm, no, I think you actually stated some really good things to do for sure. That's helpful. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I think 19 and 20 years old was, were the hardest years of my life. And I was in the throes, the deep throes of depression. And had insomnia pretty bad too. You know, it's amazing. It's like, how did I even get out of that? And actually it took a friend just reaching out to me and helped me get a job and stuff. And I just, I hated it for so long. And then I eventually came to, you know, but again, by action, I wasn't doing anything. And then I just started working. Mm-hmm. And even though I didn't like it, I finally like slowly got out of depression. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's good to have people that can help pull you out. And yeah, to reach out is not easy. You know, there could be some pride and, you mm-hmm. know, and also thinking that, 
you don't want to be a burden to somebody or something like that. But just know you're not a burden. I remember there was something that Ashley said again, and I thought this was really nice. You know how it feels when you help somebody else. So allow somebody else to help you. I think that's so beautiful because that actually, for a long time, I was like, I'm not going to reach out to anybody. Like I'm going through a hard time, but you know, I don't need to burden anybody. Like I used to think that way all the time. When I read those words or heard her say that, I was like, that is so true. It's like, I, I love helping other people and assisting them in feeling better. Yeah. Uh, and why wouldn't I want to give that to somebody else? I think sometimes we forget that giving is a gift in and of itself. And when we're, the rec- we're on the receiving end of it, it's so much harder because we, we forget that the person who's helping us actually is getting something from it too. And so that's a huge a huge shift that people can make in their, in their self-talk as well is like, it's okay to receive help because this is, I'm giving, I'm gifting this person by letting them help me. It feels so good to help. (laughs) Totally. I a hundred percent agree. I love that. I love that. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, this was fun. This was so much fun. I really enjoyed this conversation. This was amazing. This is really jam packed. You've said so many really significant, important things. So thank you for sharing. It's my pleasure. I I appreciate being here so much. Thank you for tuning your senses into the Sacred Portal podcast. If this was a pleasurable experience for you, I'd love if you'd leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find the podcast and be inspired just like you. Thank you so much. Journey well and be safe, dear friends.